0: Mr. Jason M. Craig is a husband, a father, he is a farmer, teacher, writer, and a raconteur. He is also the editor of Those Catholic Men and Sword and Spade magazine. Mr. Craig, welcome back to Vonde Radio.
1: It's good to be back. I enjoy coming back to your channel more than any other one I've been on in a while. So.
0: Hands off! Thank you very much, Mr. Craig. I'm uh, I'm I'm honoured you would say so. I think there is uh, there are not enough YouTube videos, uh, podcasts, broadcasts where you have uh, shared your wisdom. The the two that you recorded with Steve Cunningham on Census for Daily are uh, excellent listening that I would commend to our vi- our, our listeners as well, uh, particularly on the, the nanny state. And I would also recommend Sword and Spade magazine. I'm a a subscriber and what uh, really caught my attention uh, recently was uh, an excellent article that you penned called Festivity is Not Partying, where you examine and contrast the occasion of the modern party as opposed to the Christian festival. So, Mr. Craig, could you please? Well, I I think this is this is uh, germane. uh, May I just say because I don't know if you've noticed in the media some messaging about the onset of a Roaring Twenties decade, and it seems to be they're sort of programming people that for the eventual uh, lifting of COVID restrictions to just run wild and have a decade of, of complete hedonism and abandon. So, Mr. Craig, could you please describe the, the difference between partying and festivity?
1: Well, one, that's, a, that's an excellent proposition. And I have seen that, that almost a prophecy, a secular media-induced prophecy that once we allow you uh, outside again, because you're, you're too stupid to make the decision, uh, even though you have more data available than any other person in history, you're too stupid to make a decision on whether or not it's safe to so go outside. But once we let you out there, you better party. Do you know why? Because this past year and a half or so has been awful. And the response to awful things is to party. Um, and that's a good uh, introduction to, to. It's not my thesis, certainly, in that um, that article. Most of what I'm drawing from is um, a very informative book, uh, and it's you know it's it's a common thread in all of his writings. But Joseph Pieper wrote a book called um, "In Tune with Festivity." The subtitle is "In Tune with the World," um, and he's trying to explain to us why we're unable to have i mean if you just look at paintings of peter Bruegel, or what and or, or hear stories or consider how often the poor miserable medieval peasant in his darkened intellect and catholic tyranny how often he had festive occasions uh and, and how happy he appeared to be in a lot of ways um, He's trying to explain the difference or or really really the, the heart of festivity, which is in his words an affirmation of reality. That festivity as a response. Why am I festive? I can't help it. That's why. You know, it's the the feeling you have on a on a day that's so beautiful and so good that even if it's Lent, I'm sorry. I know I gave up beer, but it's springtime. I cannot help while grilling these pork chops for my children to drink a beer right now. Uh, well, it's so good, you just can't help it. Versus partying, which is life is so tedious and difficult. It must be balanced out with indulgence, right? And that's, so as an anecdotal story of my own personal life, my family, is, you know, we in America are still suffering from the Puritans you people put over here. Uh, and they, they even claim all of American history uh, as if America was born on Plymouth, forgetting Catholic California, Louisiana, and Florida, um, oh, and Canada, but those Puritans, they land in one spot and think they own everything, but, uh, in, including the, the reality of our history. But anyway, those poor, sullen people uh what view and and this is inherited in my own family kind of puritanical fundamentalist south when i converted to the catholic church i will never forget my granny explaining to me why i became catholic and the reason was i could drink and party on friday confess on saturday and go to mass on sunday and everything would be okay and her, the, the background from my family is, and this is very common in the United States, that uh, especially in you know, the Baptist South, that you're partying and you're drinking is something you hide. Um, it's, there's so much shame in it, and there's just this common understanding that, yeah, you need to blow off a little steam every now and then, but that's essentially sinful. Uh, so she couldn't, you know, in that article we mentioned, she would not be able to... I quoted, um, you know, Heller Belloc's famous um, stanza of, you know, wherever the Catholic sun does shine, there's laughter, joy, and good red wine. At least I've always found it so, Benedict Chamo's Domino, that the, the idea of Catholics, in her mind, Catholics were the ones that were able to both drink and go to Mass, right? So there was not a conflict in their embrace of good red wine and ox and going to mass. For her, that's, there's a cognitive dissonance there, right? She can't grasp how we've been able to put those things together because they see it as conflict. So the, the main premise of that article is that partying is something we do as a response to reality And the reality that we're responding to is that life is drudgery, that life is not worth affirming, that life is worth escaping. And we live our life because we have to, but we live ultimately for Friday. We're trying to get to Friday because at least we get one day, maybe two if we don't intend to go to church or anything. Um, to let off the steam, so to speak, and that—that's our reality. Um, that's the—that is what partying is. Festivity, on the other hand, is—is—is is, is what I describe as living from Sunday. And it's the op- It's a very different. it see. It looks very similar. All the all the devils. All error looks very similar to truth, or it wouldn't be attractive, right? Uh, if you're, the, if you're the enemy of souls, you can't win people over uh, with unattractive propositions. you got to make it look good. And partying looks a lot like festivity. But what it actually is, is a gaze into reality that despairs, that doesn't like what it sees, and the, the, the act of partying is a escape. The Catholic has no need to escape his festivity is true festivity, is, an, is when, it, when the reality of all of life actually bursts forth, right? And we have to have a moment to just act, respond more appropriately, that life is so good that I can't stop, you know, the festivity from coming out every now and then.
0: Yes, one is profoundly Marian. Our lady sings when she visits her cousin, Elizabeth, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my savior. Whereas you say that partying attempts to suspend or escape reality through thumping music, pulsing lights, drugs and alcohol, uh, sins of the flesh to intentionally overwhelm and redirect the senses so it's an attack on the intellect through the domination of the the senses the sensory appetite and therefore reverses the work of grace which is rightly ordered the human constitution by subordinating the appetites to the intellect
1: That explanation was so good. I want to have, I want to burst into festivity right now. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's it. But you know, because everything we know and we believe, it comes through the senses, right? So if what I know and believe is negative, I want to dull those senses. I'm, I'm sick of them. If everything I come to know and believe through the senses is good, I want to, I want to let the senses burst forth in song and dance and music and that's a great difference uh if you just are if you're trying to just come up with you know the imaginings of of how this is portrayed in probably your own imagination especially due to maybe your own experience but especially in you know movies parties happen in the shroud of darkness it's almost completely rooted in um as you said the you know doling of sand, even 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 the light has to be dim or it's a bad party whereas just picture and if you've ever seen um, a truly festive experience even if there is things like the raising of the glass it's in the daylight you know there are there's wonderful things happening there's dancing and there's singing and there's genuine joy and I'm speaking of, from someone who, you know, as I'm a convert both to um, Christianity, if we want to can say it broadly, but then, you know, to the true faith as, as a Catholic, you know, but in the younger years, being to many parties, they're really just around every nook and cranny of, of the party is acts of desperation and acts of violence. And, you know, I, did, I, I took this out of the article. So here's exclusive content to Von Day Radio. Um, at least I think I did. Um, I will never forget being at a party and hearing, and these are one of those moments you remember where you realize what is happening. I'm... I'm I'm being lied to and this is bad and I, need, I don't know how to, you know, I didn't have the language or the, the, the guidance to know how to interpret this, but going to a party and hearing um, the victory chants of some men, or excuse me, boys, cheering on the advances of another boy with a young girl that was, you know, a semi-public event. and. Having my conscience, you know, alerted at that moment, but still feel like, okay, I guess this is how things are, I don't know. And going outside later and seeing the same girl broken in tears, in a, you know, in a nook somewhere, crying. Um, and then hearing also people assuring her of how wonderful this party is. Um, I know this is probably a graphic. These are we're getting outside of the abstract into an actual story, but this is important. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. And later, realizing it was just her, and she was broken and weeping, and I had no idea how to comfort her. I mean, I just—I don't remember the exact words, but just sat in silence, realizing that what's occurred that night, all of it, from the very beginning, has been bad. has been evil. Not having language of evil and good and bad, but just sensing it, you know, um, sort of an inescapable reality of it. And um, that is the truth of partying, is that people are actually being destroyed. And it was only years later that I came to realize, because sometimes you have to like put an actual label on something to realize it's gravity. What everyone was cheering was rape everyone was cheering was rape Um, what she was mourning was a violation of her innocence and the fact that there is the the the, the her the the swirling of jackals laughing about the rape and then her later weeping about the violation Uh, I know that's very graphic but that's what partying actually is life is terrible let's indulge if we destroy some things so be it carpe diem baby let's go you know that's the uh, uh, that's the reality of the party which is very different from festivity
0: yes i'd like to get into acedia the the sin at the root of this a bit later the lust to annihilate as uh, rj snell calls in his book cd and its discontents but it's very acute what you say about the desperation within parties for me that resonated with experience in my own life of before uh, returning to uh, the faith going to nightclubs and the awkwardness in the social interactions that was present early in the evening when people were still sober and still had mm-hmm. kind of use of their, their intellectual faculties and were not able to actually converse because of this, the loudness of the music. And there's, there's, there's a kind of current there where you just have to sort of give yourself over to the mm-hmm. frenzy and drink enough to not care anymore that you are not experiencing any form of convivium, convivium or connection or relationship. You just have to get with the beat of the music, which is pure rhythm, melody, harmony, are very much eclipsed. And the rhythm beats of whatever it is, you know, 120 beats, which approximates sexual activity or aggravates the the appetites and the whole experience as you write in your article is one of looking to overwhelm or or to negate reality itself and I wanted to ask it's in the disintegrating process of modernity how was it that that partying came to eclipse festivity
1: i you know i 'm probably like you feeling as if you lost something
0: that you 're never sure you really had um, Well, we were disinherited yeah there, there yeah. was there was inheritance that was was our birthright, and revolutionaries coordinated, planned, intentionally looked to undermine subvert and destroy christian culture for their own private interests maybe with direct communication with satan and the fallen angels and it it didn't just happen right because that would make make it
1: organic right It's, it's not right which doesn't seem to make sense i agree the so my sense is i know more of the puddles of the world and how they taste uh, but I've had enough of the spring water to know better at this point. Yet we, you know, I think we younger generations that are attempting to embrace tradition, for example, are in an extremely awkward position of trying to live an inheritance that wasn't fully given to us. Right? I mean, it's, it's sort of the opposite of the prodigal of the Give me all my inheritance so I can go indulge in it. We're, we're asking for it, and he's the one that squandered it. Right? It's like we we've got the prodigal father situation. Is it so? Anyway, another episode. Um, the what happened to it though is that if the original premise, which I'm grasping from my own experience, but also having a you know like all great you you know when you read Aquinas about justice and you go wow that's true, it's because you have you have seen or a sensed just somewhere else. So he's, you know, helping you to understand what's true and, re- and real. That's what realism does. Um, but anyway, that, you know, what Pieper has helped us to see when he exposes the lies of, you know, partying and festivity, and, and you mentioned Acedia, uh, you know, in R.J. Snell's excellent book, also Abbott in Nault, N-A-U-L-T. Am I saying that right? You're an Englishman. That's French. Okay. Um, He, I have no problem being corrected as a Southern American by an Englishman about about French. Uh, He, uh, those books about Acadia, they, I think they accurately um, define modern man, and that has to do with, you know, in a sense, if this was a, you know, evolutionary revolutionary process. That acedia, the root sin that causes us to party, is the despair of reality. The And it's not a form of despair of reality where you're unaware that you're called to something better or good or great. It's this despair of reality because you know you are. It's wishing you were called to less. It's wishing you didn't have the burden of humanity. And it's... Obvious summons to virtue and goodness and things that ants and bees and orangutans don't have, right? It's a wish that we could um, just be beasts on the island of Dr. Moreau, you know, escaping his tyranny and indulging in whatever. It's you know, it's it's a hatred of reality itself, right? So, be, be, not because you don't realize how great it is, but because you do and you hate The summons to something bigger than yourself—you prefer not to be summoned to something like that. So that's the inspiration, and I think if we would understand it that way, and we should circle back because the CD is very interesting. Uh, You know, also the noonday devil of that sin, that temptation. The early desert fathers said that that's the last temptation before you basically reach perfection that once you can vanquish a CDO, you're there, brother, you got it. So we, we should pay attention to what they meant by that. And it's a possible relationship to, you know, technology and escapism. But when it comes to, to you know, and nobody who's partying in high school or what, they're not, you know, they're not aware that I, I'm not, I'm refusing to affirm the goodness of reality and embrace the, you know, the higher calling that is in, that's obviously intuited from my very human, you know, they're not thinking of that, but they are taught that life is tedious life is hard you're going to climb the ladder to success but on the way there make sure you let off some steam because everything is like an engine right you've got pressure and you've got release and there's inputs and there's outputs
0: and And everything's a fight everything's right it's this hobbesian thing you're not going to receive any gifts
1: everything's a fight you mistrust anything you haven't worked for you mistrust all gifts um you it's a, Salvation itself in scripture is very, very, very often called an inheritance. Yet yeah, we disdain trust fund babies, right? We, we have a hatred of those that have received what they didn't deserve. Which is why, interestingly, you know, us Americans, our skepticism of royalty, that you would be deserving of something by your birth, i.e., without any earning, without any effort, without any trial, that you'd be giving this unmerited gift. We have a hard time accepting, and we're wrong, which is why we love books from C.S. Lewis uh, to even if there's, you know, uh, I guarantee you if there's some homeschooling dads out there, they know the, uh, gosh, what's the series a lot of people are reading? It's newer, Rabbits with Swords, I'm sorry, I can't recall. But if you look deeply at the most beloved stories that we have, do you know what's common in all of them? The children are unaware that they're actually royalty, right? So they are actually inheritors of this unmerited gift. Uh, and that's related. That's not esoteric. We, we, we have been given this gift, but how different it is. If everything, as you said, is a fight, life is a fight, then we just need to let off some sting. Right, We just need to step out of the ring. If we're sons of a good father who has given us good things and our job is to be faithful to them, well, that's in the era of I didn't earn it. I have to be responsible for Because Just because you didn't earn it doesn't mean you're not responsible for it. Um, you know, and we don't want that responsibility. And that is a huge part of why we want to escape um, that responsibility.
0: That's fascinating. And you've, you've uh, illuminated me with an insight there, Mr. Craig, the Puritan spirit, the Calvinist Protestant spirit, which is the the active ingredient in the American psyche, where through Calvin's predestination theology, work became a sacrament. And that, I think, is at root of, with, of the um, American meritocratic Mm-hmm. With, and the distrust of aristocracy incidentally the south is is one of the only places in america where there there was something approximating a, a, an organic aristocracy um, absolutely
1: yeah, that, th- this was a place where where can and where you came from had a, had some measure on, on your life and the fact of where you came from had some measure of your future that you were not um unlimited in your potential you actually were limited and that's not There's nothing bad about that. So it is a, you know, in in its worst um, iterations. people might say it's, you know, theoretical feudalism or something. But no, it was very much uh, an understanding of different orders of society and and that it has nothing to do with what you earned.
0: Yes, yes. The conception of the political community of society as a, a social organism, as a body, rather than as a mass, a mass of colliding atoms. So, Piper, to bring this back to your your thesis, I, I, by the way, I really like how you brought up the, the story of the prodigal son, because that, you write, encapsulates the difference between partying, which the younger son lives when he wastes his inheritance in righteous living, and festivity, which the father initiates on the, mm-hmm. the son's return and the difference yeah. there
1: without a, you know there's it's amazing how many instances in scripture we don't realize um wait a second the son has a party and all and, and he ends up with the swine and the father appears to have a party and he's like god right i mean they both um and this goes into you know in some in some of the translations when it talks about the son leaving and using up his the gifts that was given him he's there's like this limited store of of something and he drains it and drinks it to the dregs right and he takes he gets all he can get out of it and he's and in that he's you know completely hedonistic he's severed from him where he came from he's severed from his family he's severed from his people he's completely self-indulgent you know even sexually and he uses it up he destroys the gift and that's important what we're saying is that if your response is reality is bad do you know what you do to read reality you, you destroy it. And that's why, and this is, you don't have to look. If anyone's feeling a little bit, uh, I don't know, intimidated by the, these philosophical terms, no, no, you know these words. You know that the tendency of the parties to destroy. This is why we use the language. What's a good party? When you get smashed, right? When you burn the house down. When, um, what are, well, I mean, the, all of the language of parties is one of destruction. Yes. Man, I got really torn up last night. It Man, I can, say, I, I can say the word. I was destroyed, right? And you would know, I could even borrow language that maybe isn't common or popular and say, uh, I was uh, dilapidated last night. I, you know, it's like all these negative words. I got um, trashed last night. All of these words are destructive, throw away, toss away, um, actively. That, that's the, all the language. So that's the prodigal son. He's using it up. Mm. And what's his reason for it, right? His, his reason is the way he's perceiving how he is to live based on what he's received, right? So the question is, did he receive it accurately? Then you get the father, and he says, you know, in the Ronald Knox translation, that, you know, he throws this party, kills the fat cat. And he says to the servants because we have good reason so we're presuming that whatever festivity occurred you know i know that they killed the fatted calf they probably brought out the wine the drinks the the you know we know that he brought out great clothes i'm sure what's a good party if you're dressed like a bum you know and what's the difference Right. What what is the difference between these two men partying? Is that one is rejoicing in the goodness of his son's soul, the return of his son, the reuniting of a son with the gift of his inheritance, which was not just something to use up, but it was people and places and cultures, and it was it was the inheritance was more than the resources that he could use and it wasn't until he returned to the integration of all those other things that then they have festivity right that's the festivity of heaven versus and really i mean think the the what you described in the nightclub you know um is that not i mean does it not sound or even my story of this poor girl does this not sound like hell i mean doesn't it just feel like that's some sort of foretaste of hell and we're under the delusion that it's enjoyable <laughs> versus um, the to feel, if you've ever felt this, to be in a room where you're being honored and you don't deserve it. You didn't clamor for attention. You didn't gain the praise of men. You're not being awarded for an accolade from your professional you know whatever you're in the room and being rejoiced over because of who you are and that you are there that and because that is an affirmation of reality that's and it's revealing it's pulling back the veil and if that's true it's been true the whole time and we just missed it but in case we miss it every now and then you know we have in case we miss it festivity right so it's it's when the the veil is lifted in that moment
0: The novelist, the writer, Ernest Hemingway, said that there is a sentence in the parable of the prodigal son, which is the most beautiful sentence in all of literature. And that is verse uh, 20. And rising up, he came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion and running to him fell upon his neck and kissed him mm-hmm. his father was looking for him
1: Yeah. Um, you, you have a book in front of you I want you to quote but one you brought up Calvinism earlier and we you know we in the United States especially that are Catholics I mean, <laughs> you poor English you have your own set of challenges the The debate between things like faith and works become a lot simpler when we fully embrace the reality of God's paternity, his fatherhood, and the reality of our inheritance as sons. Because when we understand an inheritance, it's something you must receive and act upon it makes the, the question of faith and works a little bit simpler than because the you know when i was amongst uh you know young intelligent calvinist sorts in united states so i don't know how calvinism is there but it's like it's it, it's still you know it kicks around here very well um you know the quip is well is God sovereign or is man is the uh you know, that's that's yeah, the tulip, total. Depra- yeah, I was a Calvinist, by the way. I don't know if I've ever revealed that to you. Before I was a Catholic, I was a tulip, five points of Calvinism, Calvinism, Calvinist. Um, but how different it is when God actually is our Father, that giving us an inheritance makes it a complete, total gift, completely dependent on His goodness, and completely dependent on our response to it. I.e., our faith and the grace we receive by it, and our works, our response to the faith. And uh, it's that I agree that that is an illuminating piece of scripture, particularly if, when our Lord tells us, when you pray, pray, our Father, who art in heaven, and, when, as St. Paul says, when the Holy Spirit is in us, what is it that we cry out, Abba, Father, and... So in case you didn't get it when I said it, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and he's going to make you say it. (laughs) Call out the Father to the Father. And when it comes to this topic of festivity, just imagine, just let yourself feel the thought of your father running to embrace you after being lost and then throwing a party just because of who you are that you're there. You didn't achieve anything. I mean, the prodigal son of returning... What has he achieved? What accolades can they really put pin to his chest? Which is the annoyance of the second brother, right? What does this guy done? Um, but it's a, that is a beautiful. That's the key to the festivity. Is uh, this is reality itself? This is this is so. This is too good. This is too good. Kill that cat. Kill that fat cat out back. You know, I actually have fat cats right there. I wish you could see them.
0: Are they hiding away now? <laughs> well, then
1: I, we killed a fatted... Well, I thought he was a steer. He turned out to be a bull. And if you don't know what that means, we'll explain that on another. But he,
0: we killed him last week. <laughs> but it's there, all the girls out there now. It's going to keep you going for the next few months. <laughs> yeah. So there's an interesting colloquium between the late Sir Roger Scruton God Rest His Soul and Dr Jordan Peterson and they discuss the uh, heavy metal concerts and the phenomenon of the mosh pit and Peterson says isn't this, isn't this encouraging, isn't this good actually because you've got a togetherness there and they're like ants in a frying pan, they're all dancing together and uh, there, there's connection, there's, there's a form of communion. And Sir Roger Scruton replies, no, they're not dancing with each other. They're dancing against each other. Mm. And that, I think, well, Piper defines festivity as the celebration of existence under the form of various symbols and rites. The festival flows from the common vision of a people. And thus, when we talk about the disintegration of modernity, a change in the religious vision of culture results in the change of the festival. Mm-hmm. And the loss of a common faith, the destruction of organic society, community, eventually the family, has led to this mass. Pope Leo Thirteenth talks about the distinction between a people, an organic people, and a, an artificial mass. And mm-hmm. that then coalesces, and you see it being coterminous with, for example, the abandonment of the pursuit of truth as one of the, one of the purposes of the university. Co- right, to the yeah, that's 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 that, that is yeah. you have the college party. That's not a coincidence. Those two things are connected. So how is how is boredom more generally a phenomenon of modernity with uh, Thomas Aquinas describing sloth acedia as a sad rejection of loving, intimate union with the creator?
1: It's interesting that you've related your comments about the university. In relation to, you know, these are young people in formation for society, right? And for for their own sake, yes, but also for the sake of their, you know, unquote, quote unquote contribution. Yeah, that isn't that it's also the place of the party itself. I mean that's the quintessential. It's really disgusting. Those of us who have actually experienced the underbelly of the party life and college life or high school life or middle school life that the destruction that's actually there and how much pain and hurt someone says if you're learning that that's part of the navigating of life of being used, abused and learning how to dominate and be passive or whatever but anyway the relationship of those things because they have to balance out the reality of drudgery of something like education right, it's not the expanding of the soul it's the necessary initiation into, you know, the upward mobility of leaving your inheritance so that you can get rich, uh, and boredom that, I don't know if this is common. I mean, this was common. You know, I, I'm not that old. I'm, I'm in my mid thirties. Let's not be, um, you know, cloakish about it. This, this is what I am. Um. I don't think our faces show on your radio, so maybe I sounded older and wiser, but uh, I'm not. But even as a, as a kid, and and then now, whether it's in the news or just talking to you know teenagers or or young adults, since and you that question of when something bad occurs and something evil, maybe even, why did you do that? And the answer of because i was bored Mm. something in it that if people are not horrified by that Mm. not horrified by the right things um they're probably more scared of a a barely lethal virus Um, the idea that our teenagers are Destroying the reality around them of doing something destructive and painful because they were bored it's horrifying reality we have have to just if we could stop right now and turn the the, your your youtube channel off but that would be dangerous right because then we would lose viewers and they would go on somewhere else and we get let's let's keep them hooked here because we don't want them to be bored because if we're bored there's Greg, you know, the whole, oh, the sinner and the idle hands and all that. But really, to, and I know this feeling. I know this feeling of despair within me, of, there was a time of particular despair in my life where I stole a, are we allowed to share, we're allowed, we
0: can share such things, right, personal stories? Yes, yeah, certainly, yes. Uh, St. Augustine did in the confessions. That's right. He said that's where it started, Stealing, stealing a pear from the orchard, wasn't it? <laughs>
1: that's right. I stole a construction lift. Um, and I think if I understand correctly, you people over there call elevators by the word lift. I don't mean that. I mean, a, a lift is a uh, construction, that, you know, lifts you up in the air.
0: Like outside. a cherry picker. What? A cherry picker. A kind of uh, concertinaed. Yes. I know what you mean.
1: Yeah. A, a cherry picker. Oh, I, OK. Well, we we'll, you know, we'll call it a, a lift. I a cherry picker. I stole one and I went around a shopping center at night and I destroyed all of the lights in the parking lot. Do you know why? Because I was bored. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had. And, but it was also a time of a sense of despair. So anyway, the relationship of boredom is unique to our Western society. It's something that would be hard to explain to healthy societies and children that are healthy uh, you know, here in America, we have the rebuke of the Amish, as Wendell Berry calls it, uh, that they, the, the problem the problem with the Amish is that they exist. And the bigger problem is that they are cohesive, integrated, consistent, and seem to be relatively happy. They seem to embody everything that we've lost, even while they also embody everything we make fun of, which is being backwards and a lack of progress. and um, we may make fun of them, but the problem is they're still there. They're not an idea and an abstract to talk about. They're there, and they're annoying. But you know what they don't have? They're not bored. They literally can't understand the idea of being bored. Yet, they also have no electronics. They have no media. They have, they have nothing like that. How is it that if anyone in the world should be bored, it shouldn't be them? But they're our rebuke and you know there's some right down the road from me um i don't know them well but i know them well enough that they have something i don't have and you know, there's something i might have a little bit of it's boredom so they um, are in closer touch with reality so that leads me to believe one boredom induces us to partying. boredom induces us to destruction boredom induces us to violence and we have not even begun I don't know if it's if they're releasing the data for you to see or not. There, um, under the poor English tyranny that we shook off centuries ago, that you still live under. But the, uh, that was a jab at you. I hope you're not offended. By... <laughs> uh, the, the 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 reality of
0: we were invading your capital building before it was cool. <laughs> Doing it properly.
1: <laughs> oh, you can have it you can have it um, the The number of teenage suicides right now is so startling that I have a s- strong suspicion that the numbers will be somehow hidden from us um, if not by the fact that we can't politely discuss it because. That would mean that we would have to admit that in the last year, 2020 and 2021, that we made the wrong decisions that induced our own children to a state of despair, such that life had to be ended by their own hands. I don't think we have the stomach to acknowledge the truth of that, so we won't hear about it. But the numbers, as of now, you can see them. They're, they're, and those that are on the front line of trying to help these kind of things see it. Um, So what have they been locked inside with that causes despair? They have had everything that we extol as liberating and amusing, which is essentially technology. So if we're going full circle now to where we began, um, that festivity is the normal response to actually perceiving the truth of reality, that festivity is a distortion and actually a disconnection of reality, a disintegration, which is why it's destructive. Um, we have now locked our children away from reality, which is persons, nature, sickness even. And we are now surprised that they're dying of, self-murder and despair, um, the destructive character of boredom turned inward. I mean, it's, there's not a significant, well, I'm sorry, there, there is a significant difference, but there is a connection between my stupidity of being very sad and, dis, and stealing a construct, construction equipment to, to break lights and and that boredom to someone who is totally overwhelmed by that because the reality is forcing them just imagine just imagine someone in their room and just just picture that the walls actually are crushing them you know that that's that they're slowly imploding because of being severed from reality that that's boredom so in case anyone began this thinking that boredom is just there is no boredom in healthy humanity that is a and i think i quote this in the article but i got it from the book i think i see it on your desk rj snell boredom is a western construct It is a post it's a post enlightenment just like adolescence so first we invent adolescence then we invent boredom and we put the two together and now we have our own children killing themselves is there ever a sign of the death of a the society than the sign of hope which is youth Committing the ultimate prophecy of despair, which is suicide. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think we're coming to grips with that. Anyway, all of these things are so intimately related, we probably won't talk about them because they're the same problem. And I think for us Catholics, if we're coming back around to like, so what, I, at sometimes, you know, I think we we're, were sharing before I think you hit the record button. I, you know, I'm, so, I'm so sick of it all. So what do we have left? What do we do? And we're recording this during Lent. I can't wait for Easter because I'm going to have a freaking festival. And uh, the rebellion of our joy, right? I think if we can return to the Father, uh, we're, we're not going to be able to drum up a good festival. But if we start going in his direction, and Easter, facing him, by the way, hint, hint, then I think he'll meet us halfway and through a pretty decent party. So if we're going to escape our despair, we've got to just start running in the right direction. And it sure isn't in our rooms alone with our devices.
0: Yes, gazing at the feed of the swine. And when we survey post-modernity, i'm reminded of macbeth confusion now hath made his masterpiece post-modernity satan hath made his masterpiece something my friend dr jesse russell said in a previous broadcast we don't realize how far we're gone how how dark things are i'm not i'm not uh, counseling despair or anything like that but no, but you Maybe. mentioned Tolkien
1: earlier. That It's okay to say we're suffering a long defeat. Yes. But that we have to, but we're not losing hope, right?
0: Exactly, yes. And uh, above the clouds rides the sun, as uh, Samwise notices. But the crisis of modernity, of post-modernity, has often been described as a crisis of the intellect. No doubt that is at the heart of this. The, the rejection of objectivity... Uh, with subjectivity uh, in in place of subjectivity but it's also a crisis of the will today we see this deep late civilizational exhaustion and you mentioned this year's COVID last year's COVID event I think that is is such a manifestation of it because in, in this country for for a whole year the government has said you cannot see your loved ones and in response to a disease with a 99.74% survival rate of those 0.26% 90% have comorbidities no danger to to the young and in response to that people just shrug and just go okay and and I'll, I'll just watch Netflix uh, at home and, and, and take my, uh, my government uh, largesse, my furlough pains. We set before ourselves, as you say, the phenomenon of, of the self-murder of youth, truly uh, an indictment of our societies. We set before them, wh- wh- what are the models that we give them? For girls, it is this prostitute type to be an Instagram whore. And for for boys, it is the the video gamer, the the effeminate, uh, the pornographic male. I, I I don't know. It's it's this the inversion of masculinity. Esedia is really at the heart of this, as you say. Um, so I, I guess you mentioned the Amish, and this is a, a big question. But it is to what extent is technology redeemable? Because we, we often, often people, when people raise these, these issues such as Dr. John Senior, who we, we both consider ourselves disciples I think, they are, we are accused as being Luddites or as wanting to be like the Amish, to turn back the clock. We have not had a saint who's shown us how to virtuously use the internet. It's, it's so... there's a question of proportionality to our human faculties, to our human constitution. The aggravation of the notifications on the smartphone the agitation of the humdrum of city traffic of drones of instant amazon deliveries all these things who is to say that actually in a future christendom all of these things would have to be destroyed to an extent <laughs> because uh, just like king oswald of northumbria celebrated his baptism by riding around his kingdom and smashing all the idols of uh, the the pagan gods with a hammer, so perhaps in a future Christendom, we we would have to smash the internet and television. Perhaps you cannot have an organic community with those things. I don't know. I'm just proffering these questions. Catholics are not grappling with, or not sufficiently grappling with them yet. I think.
1: No, we're we're too busy trying to get people off porn. To talk about the fact of the screen itself yes. um and i'm with it, and i that is the tension and doesn't it doesn't always come back to that the tension and it, there's something um anti-christological about it right there's something related to the anti-christ here that you know we've said or you know i said earlier the the the, the idea of the father rejoicing over us and us running towards him that us embracing our inheritance of being sons is the answer, right? Of properly receiving and responding to the gift of reality of our own tradition, and the antichrist is anti-son necessarily. He erases identity. Whereas in Revelation we hear that God has a special name for us that we haven't even heard yet, right? And a name is a, is a matter of relationship. The antichrist assigns us numbers and it says very clearly this is not uh, sensational the antichrist assigns us numbers for a primary reason of buying and selling so that we can continue to participate in the economy while our identities both with each other and with god are erased so there's something very alluring about the antichrist and this you know the, the so-called spirit of the antichrist it's alluring. And I can't help but think and that there's something about this entire techno work. And I, I'm, I'm so reluctant to bring it up because people, you know, scoff immediately because, oh, no, the, these are helpful tools. And the, but it makes total sense. It is very hard for Eve to recognize when the devil says, if you eat this, you will be like God. And St. John the Apostle, the evangelist, also says, one day we will be like God. There's a very there's a, there's amazing subtle so difference in the lies, lies of grasping and receiving, um, and there's something that we are unable to receive in the technological order, or at least something that we miss, that I haven't put my finger on, I, or, and I don't think I, I don't have the capability of, but I do have a fear of it, you know? and when we, we could get even more sensational that you know one Hebrew uh, a, a way to interpret, you know, WWW in Hebrew, it would be 666. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but it's, it, it, um, there's something about this order of things that detaches us from reality while attaching us to reality at the same time. This paradoxical confusion that is obviously, in my mind, it's obviously a source. My wife and I, the fact that we're deliberating over how to escape Amazon while still providing the things we need out in rural North Carolina, lest anyone be too, uh, have too romantic a view of our life. We have pri- Amazon Prime trucks crawling around this place um, that I-, I have a horror of them, to be honest. But there is something to this and to our boredom, into, into our, our asedia, into our self murder, and into this yes, our need, need to party to it's ignore me. it all. And mm. our in our in our inability to join together in just normal, unadulterated, unmerited, um, unearned festivity that the two mo the, the, the only Two things that I can see clearly, I don't know the response to these things, we're, we're waxing and waning here, but the two responses seem to be orient towards the liturgy and the truth that flows from it, and turn shit off, right? I mean, John Sr., and his, you know, the death and, and, uh, and of Christian culture and the uh, restoration of Christian culture, the amount of times he says smash your television he was a prophet in, he was a prophet in the
0: 80s yes um, so as you to say his program is is not only negative it is also positive he prescribes as you say smashing the television today he would say smash the smartphone and then he says play the piano with your family build a fire paint art make music sorry yeah no
1: that's, that's- it is po- That's the that's the hilarious thing. I don't know if you've gotten the latest issue of Sword and Spade. You live really far away. It's, we have some controversies about the United States mail right now. I don't know if you've received it yet. But uh, um, because they lose billions of dollars a year, and Trump tried to fix that. Ah, that's a nice story. But um, the, there was a man. We published an article. He his, he wrote an article. He was a father in the eighties and nineties who smashes television and his story of what happened in his family. We've gotten more email about that. And the article I had on retirement, that was a strange touchy nerve people had about saving for retirement and all that. Um, but this article about how he did this in the, in the late 80s and how he recognized a threat that most of us didn't see. I was still laughing at The Simpsons in the, in, in the early 90s. Um, because they're hilarious. Um, he recognized something and smashed it. I wonder now when are we going to learn our lesson? <laughs> I mean, in, in the engage in the smashing enterprise. So um, maybe we've been talking about in this podcast, we're coming up, I've got two minutes here, but we're we've been talking about how we're induced to destruction of reality. It seems that perhaps... You and I need to start talking about what we're going to destroy in order to reach reality, and it has very much to do with, sadly, probably the device that's bringing us together right now. Um, but also, obviously, there's some sort of order of creation in life that is, we're being separated from. So we're never going. We're never going to be a festive people until we have a, as, you know, as the, the book that inspired this whole conversation. Unless we're in tune with the world as it is, as created, as given to us by a loving father, unless we're in tune with that, we'll just be stuck with partying and suicide.
0: We're all shipwrecked. And
1: we're all sick. <laughs> That's
0: a good word. It's part of the remedy of this as you say, well, the heart, it's aura, at labora, it's it's the holy sacrifice of the mass, and the remedy is the observation of the third commandment. I will, you've reminded me, I'll send you an article after this, a really excellent article that draws from the memoirs of Maria von Trapp from the Trapp family singers, and... Obviously, their real story is far more Catholic than the, the Hollywood um, adaptation. But there's a chapter in there regarding Sunday, the land without a Sunday, it's called. And it compares the, the Sundays as observed in Bolshevik Russia, the Sunday in the capitalist, consumerist, frenetic United States, and then the Sunday in pre-war Catholic Austria. And it's it's really really fascinating because they they observed all three of them, and so yes, I will send that to you afterwards.
1: I'll read it. We'll we'll gather back together for another conversation.
0: Yes, I would I would be most honoured, Mr. Craig. Thank you very much for your erudition. Thank you for your your thoughts today, and I will put a link to Sword and Spade magazine. Heartily recommend all of our listeners subscribe. Thank you again.
1: Talk to you next time.
0: Thank you. God bless.